Welcome to Wisdom Today. My name is Bill Kelly, and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we will be exploring the book of Proverbs. Let's open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for everyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one how much you truly love each and everyone listening today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Proverb 13, beginning in verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools who depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. 
Friends, I have a treat for you today. I have Joshua Ouma from Africa, and Joshua is a good friend of mine. We've got to know each other well this year, and he is a third-year Karis Bible College student. But Joshua, I'd like to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's an honor and a privilege. Good. Joshua, we just finished um, Proverb 13, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of directions we could go with that particular proverb. But Joshua, which verse speaks to you today and tell the audience why? Well, I, I really love the book of Proverbs. It's something, you know, we've shared in my family and I've taught my sons to, to read one proverb every day. And um, the one that speaks to me from what you read is uh, verse 10. By pride comes nothing but strife, but where the well-advised is wisdom. Every, there's so much strife going on in, in people's lives. You know, uh, I'm sure your listeners that are listening will be, you know, know what I'm talking about. But the Bible is telling us here that the root of that is pride. Yeah, that, that, that's what, you know, kind of jumps up to me today. Well, you know, Joshua, the root of everything that we do is pride. I really like First Peter chapter 5, and First mm. Peter chapter 5 tells us to clothe ourselves mm. in humility. Mm. That is how Jesus truly was. But Joshua, obviously being from Africa, mm. you have a different upbringing than many of us here in the United States. If mm. you would, mm. just share a little bit about your upbringing yeah. and how your life was different than being in America. All right, thanks. Um, well, I was actually born in Kenya. Uh, you know, when you talk to many Americans about Africa, they only think of it as the continent. But there's 54 countries, 54 countries, independent countries in Africa. And so I was born in East Africa, a country called Kenya. Uh, and um, that's where I grew up most of my life and then moved on to South Africa. So I've lived half my life also in South Africa. That's where I met my wife. We got married. Our sons were born in South Africa. So Africa is huge, but that's basically the part that I came from. Born in East Africa, now living in South Africa. Okay, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Did mm. you go to church? I mean, were your parents? Yes, yes. My parents are both uh, believers, both Christians, and uh, grew up in the Anglican church. I think in America you call it the Episcop Episcopalian. Episcopalian. <laughs> Episcopalian. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, with the traditional Anglican church, um, grew up, got confirmed at about 12 years old. And, uh, you know, basically would call myself a Christian. And uh, I remember when we got to university, kind of forgot those values and got into parties and things that pe young people do at varsity. And only got born again after graduation, a friend of mine that we used to, you know, were at university with and uh, did all the things that young people do. And I, I was shocked by the change in his life and was wondering, how did he become a believer? And he seemed to do things differently. He, he, he visited all his former friends or friends and, and spoke to them. So he kept coming to my house and telling me about Jesus and said, do you believe? I said, yeah, I do. I mean, I grew up with this. I mean, my high school, I actually went to a Catholic school and, um, he said, do you have a Bible? I said, yes. And he said, you know, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as Lord? I said, why not? But, you know, what, what, what should you do? He said, okay, pray this prayer. And we, we prayed the prayer. And I said, I didn't feel hot. I didn't feel cold. Nothing seems to have changed. I still like my beer on a Friday. 
But Friday came and I didn't have the urge for the beer and nobody had to tell me, don't do this, don't do that. All of a sudden, I lost interest in all those things that I did. And uh, I think I became kind of very radical. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, Josh, if you would, that's fascinating. But if you would, what age were you when you actually gave your heart to Jesus and said that sinner's prayer? I was uh, 30 years old. Yeah, it was just a week before my 30th birthday. 30 years old. Mm. Now, let me ask you this. Mm. Is that the most important decision you've ever made? And please tell the audience why. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it, Jesus Christ has changed my life. I, I didn't, I think I grew up religious. I mean, like most people do. Yes, you do go to church, you know, over Easter, over Christmas. But the Lord changed my life. He's, he's the best thing that has ever happened to me is to make that decision, to follow Jesus Christ. Well, you know, the reason, mm -hmm. Joshua, that I feel mm -hmm. without a doubt that making Jesus, that making that decision is that's the only decision you ever make that affects eternity. Mm -hmm. And eternity is a long time. And people that do not receive Jesus or people who live their life as though God doesn't exist... Mm -hmm. They don't understand that concept of eternity. Many people live their life as though when they breathe their last on earth, that's it. That's the end. And we know differently. Yeah. Josh, tell the audience why it's important that they give their heart to Jesus. You, you have to understand that what you see with your physical eyes is not all that there is. God exists. And God is real. The Bible says God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The revelation you get when you come to Jesus Christ is to understand, as the book of Thessalonians says, that we are, there are three parts to us. We are spirit, soul, and body. And um, God created us in his image. That's what the Bible says right in the book of Genesis. And if God is spirit, then the real us is actually spirit. And when we die, that's not the end of our lives. There is more to it. And the Bible says there is a heaven and there is a hell. And if we die believing in Christ, he says, I have prepared a place for you. He's prepared for us to be with him for all eternity. But for those who don't receive him, there is a place that was not prepared for man, but was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, maybe uh, somebody might be listening to this who has never known this, but if you go into the Bible, it gives us this information of who we truly are. And that's what it means to come to Christ, to know that I will spend life with my Creator forever and ever. Wow, that's so good. And if you go to the book of Philippians chapter 2, and it says, And there will come a time mm -hmm. when every knee shall bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Mm -hmm. And friends, for those of you listening, and if you've never taken that step to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, know this, that there will come a time when you will bow your knee. And the thing about it is, will it be during this lifetime that you're actually here? Because if you never make that decision, just like Joshua said, you will end up going to hell. And the people are in hell will one day bow the knee to Jesus, whether they want to or not. What are your thoughts on that, Joshua? You know, um, as when we were growing up, some of the times that 
the message that would be given by Christians who would maybe come and talk to you would be to magnify that hell is a place of torture and torment and fire, which it is. But I believe that that's, that was never God's best for man. It's a choice that man makes. The focus, however, should be on his love. He's a loving father, just like many people that might be listening are parents and have children that sometimes stray away. And you want them to come back. That's exactly what God wants for us, to get a revelation and an understanding of how much he loves us. I don't come to him because I want to avoid the fires of hell. I come to him because he loves me so much and he just desires to have me back in his arms like a loving parent would with a child they love who is straight away. Well, you know, <clears throat> you hit the nail on the head. And, and, you know, like you said, God does not want any to go to hell. Mm -hmm. You know, it says that in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Mm -hmm. It says, God is not willing that any should perish, but mm -hmm. that all should come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. Joshua, what, what that verse is telling us, mm -hmm. and a lot of people ask, well, if God is such a loving God, how can he allow people to go to hell. And the question isn't that. He doesn't allow people to go to hell, but God loved us so much that he gave people free choice. Mm -hmm. And Joshua, that's really what this is all about, is we have a choice. Mm -hmm. And basically, think about it as a birthday gift. And someone gives you a gift and say, here, happy birthday, take that gift. Mm -hmm. And you go, wow, well, thank you. And if you just put that gift on a shelf and never open it, you have that gift. And that is what Jesus Christ did for us, Josh. He gave us a gift, mm. but we have to open and receive that gift. Mm. And if you never open that gift and receive it, then we will end up basically making that choice of ending up going to hell. Mm. God doesn't want anybody to go there, but it is there for those who make the decision never to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Mm. Well, Josh, let's go in a different direction. Mm. You know, the most important decision, Josh, we can ever make is receiving Jesus. But the second most important decision, and you made reference to this earlier about your wife, is choosing a mate. Mm. Josh, if you would, just take us through that process of when you met Dorcas, how that came about, and how you ended up making her your wife or choosing her. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we, it's interesting. We, the company that I work for, my background is actually engineering. I'm a mechanical engineer. She's an electrical engineer. And the company that we were working for um, uh, was in East Africa at the time I was working in Kenya. Uh, they had a project in Lesotho, which is a, a, a small uh, country uh, right in the south, uh, surrounded by South Africa. And we had a project at the Lesotho Highlands uh, Water Project. And so she was working in the same office and I had gotten born again by then, and uh, she wasn't, and that's how we first met. Uh, no, be, no, we had met before I got born again, and on my second trip, um, she didn't believe I was born again because I used to love my beer, uh, <laughs> but she couldn't believe that this change had happened to me, but that's where we met. And by then, because I was so, once you encountered Christ and encountered something that is good in your life, you want everybody to know about it, right? So my mission was to almost get everybody born again. And so that, that our relationship was just that. We were just workmates in the same office. And my whole objective was to, for her to also know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Wow. You know, when you talk about 
making everyone and bringing everybody to Jesus, that reminds me of Proverbs 1130, mm -hmm. because Proverbs 1130 tells us that he who makes wins souls is wise. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is, Josh, if you're going to be with somebody the rest of your life, the Bible tells us do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So how did you overcome that challenge and how did you win her to Christ? I kept uh, sending materials. Well, those days we didn't have, you know, all the technology we have now. We still had to write letters and so on. <laughs> I hope you, you remember the days of writing letters. <laughs> I know some of the younger people don't. But anyway, I would, I would send her, you know, material and things about the Lord. And she then moved to Swaziland, which is another small nation in Southern Africa. And there, that's where she was working. And we also had an office there, so I happened to go there as well. And eventually one of her... Her boss's wife, actually, was the one that took her to church, and then she also got born again. And then uh, um, her brother got opened an, uh, an engineer, he was also an engineer, opened an office in South Africa and offered me a job, and offered her a job as well. And now we met again, we, re, re, we got reunited again in Southern Africa. Again, no relationship, no, had no idea that this would be my future wife. But as time went by, you know, we would go to church together, and people would say, is that your wife? I'd say, no. <laughs> and I'd even walk a little bit away just to prove that this is not my wife. But anyway, that's how it happened. And yeah, eventually we got married almost about a year or so later. I don't know if I answered your question. What did you actually ask? I got My mind kind of rambled away. And I <laughs> no, that's good. You know, but Josh, basically you come to the realization that I like the word cherish. Mm. And Josh, you know, you love your parents, you love your friends, but when it comes to your wife, we need to take it up a notch, mm. and you need to cherish your wife. Mm. Josh, what does that word cherish mean to you, and how do you implement that in your marriage? It's, it's something that's, I, I believe, is somebody, somebody, something, something or somebody that's valuable to you, and you take care of it, you, you, you guard it, you, you, you look after it, you look after the person, and it's something that's important to you. And, and to be honest, she is. And I think that's grown of how much she means to me over the years, but she's very special to me. I just love her heart. I love her spirit. Dorcas is such a, she's got such a beautiful heart and uh, just love, always smiling, always joyful. And I, I think I needed that. I tended to be a bit more serious and uh, God kind of tends to sometimes bring opposite people together. And she's helped me with that to just not be too serious about life and just be able to enjoy life. God wants us to enjoy this life as well. You know, and Joshua, you know, Paul really brings this two together when mm -hmm. he talks about Ephesians chapter 5, and he talks about husbands, mm -hmm. love your wives. And in that passage of Scripture in mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 5, mm -hmm. Paul speaks to our wives as though we are to treat her mm -hmm. as we do our own yeah. bodies. Mm -hmm. And this goes to what Scripture says that, and, and the two shall become one. Mm -hmm. And basically, her flesh is actually like our flesh. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about that, and, and do you agree with that? Yes, I do. And obviously, the Word of God is our guide. We, we grew up in a culture, especially in African culture, where the man has authority over the wife. And uh, before people get born again, many still do marry more than wife. one wife. There's polygamy and so on. And um, many men like to use that scripture about why a, a wife submit to your husbands. 
And, and that's the mentality that a lot have. And I guess I had that in the beginning. And in the early stages of our marriage, I was trying to change my wife. Why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And why don't you become this? But it says in that scripture, if you look the verse before that submission, it says submit to one another. And this is something that I've had to grow in. And to understand that we are one, not one is better than the other. Physically, men may be stronger. But in the eyes of the Lord, I think it says in Galatians, it's neither male nor female neither Jew nor Gentile. We are one in the eyes of the Lord. And so when you look at the 13th chapter of Corinthians, talks about love is not selfish, love gives. I've had to grow in that. I needed to grow in the fact that it was not about what I can get from her and what she needs to do for me, but it's actually the other way around. I, what can I do for her? How can I make her special? How can I cherish her? And the other thing that the Lord has really brought to me lately is the fact that, hey, this is my daughter. I've actually given to you to her, her to you for a season. Will you take care of her for me? So when I have that approach that, hey, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I'm loving my wife as unto the Lord and cherishing somebody that in God's eyes, we are the same. I am not better. And then living according to what the word says, that exactly that scripture that you read just now uh, in Ephesians 5 taking care of her as Christ has taken care of us, the church. Wow, that's so good. And, you know, Josh, I truly believe in Proverbs 18, 22, mm -hmm. it talks about the importance of a wife and he who finds a wife mm -hmm. finds a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I like it in the New Living Translation. It says, he who finds a wife finds a treasure. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. I like the word treasure because my wife is a treasure. It's like she's more valuable than gold or silver mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, Josh, after we have a wife, then the most important decision after that is whether you're going to have kids. If you would share a little bit about how that happened, mm -hmm. um, talk about the birth of your two sons mm -hmm. and the joy that they brought into your marriage. All right. Um... We, we, there's a book that we read, we, we didn't have, we, we decided we won't have children for the first two years of our marriage. I, I thought it was important for us to get to know each other as a couple. And so we, we waited for at least two years. And um, it was planned in that sense, because I read a book, I don't know if you ever heard of Dr. Miles Monroe, and I once read uh, his book on, on purpose and also on, um, on potential. And one of the questions he asked in that book was, do you have a five-year plan? And Dorcas and I looked at each other and we didn't have a, <laughs> we had no plans. And that helped us to be able to write down. So one of the things that we decided upon, you know, how many children we want and so on. So Dorcas comes from a big family. There were 12 children from one mother. And we were four in my family, four siblings. And so she wanted five initially until our first son was born, David. And after the going through the pain of childbirth, she changed her mind about the five. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I just remember the feeling when we first got our first son was that this precious being looking at you and totally depending on you. And what came upon me was just this awesome sense of responsibility. And it gave me another picture of God as father. I understood him. I, I believe I understood him much better. Yeah, but those were the thoughts that went through my mind. First of all, the responsibility of a precious being that you brought into the world and who's totally depending on you. 
And it's that, that's the way that the Father wants us to depend on him. Okay, you know, you bring up a good point, and you bring up Dr. Miles Monroe, and, you know, I had the privilege of listening to Dr. Monroe a couple times, mm. and, you know, it was such a loss when he died in that plane crash mm. a number of years ago, but he was a mighty man of God. Actually, I've read like six books by Miles Monroe, mm. so I know the two books you're talking about, mm. and he had a lot to offer. Mm. And, you know, Josh, it just goes to show you that some people leave this life too early. And, Josh, what I, what I kind of like for everyone to think about who's listening to this podcast as well is one of the Gospels tells us that we do not know the day or the hour when our time is going to come and when we're going to be leaving this earth. And we need to live our lives, Josh, as though this is our last day on earth. I really think if you live life that way, don't think about it, just whatever that day brings. Just do what God is telling you to do that day. Just take one step at a time. Live life as though this is it. And if you live life fully in the present, I believe that's how you really live a successful life. What are your thoughts on that, Josh? Yeah, I, I, for me, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process in a way. Beginning to understand, it starts with your purpose. Coming to Christ, you get you get to now understand why you're alive. Why are you on this earth? That's a question everybody asks. And so once you come to him, he begins to show you what he put in you before the foundation of the world. God has a plan for each one of us. And there's something that we're supposed to fulfill. Every single person is important. And so we focus now not on what so much what I want and what I want to achieve in my life, but God, what is it that you want for my life? What is it that you created for me? And we can only find that through the Word. And as people get into the Bible, as you read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit speaks to you because now you're a new creature. You're a new creation. He, he'll, he'll show you the things that He has put in you, the gifts and the talents that will line up with the destiny and the purpose that God has for you. And so... As I focus on that, each day then becomes important. That I don't know when I'll go, but I need to fulfill the purpose for which I'm, I'm, I was put on earth. Well, Josh, that's so good. And, you know, part of my testimony is that I went through a process where I asked the Lord what it is God has for me. And, Josh, I've come to the realization, my number three things. Number mm. one, God has gifted me to be a teacher. Mm. And basically, wherever I go, I'm, I'm teaching. Mm. And it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a small child or whether it's a high school kid or whether it's someone your age. And, you know, when I had a nursing home, I had a 103-year-old woman. But number two, I'm an encourager of people. Mm. And, you know, I'd like to have everyone listening to this think about that because mm. I believe, Josh, we're all to be encouragers. But number three, I basically am an evangelist to the core and I truly believe in the saving of souls, and that should be our ultimate purpose. But Josh, do you know what God has called you to on this earth? Now, okay, after all these years, I think it, it seems to change over time, if I can call it that. There's seasons in one's life, okay? And when you're younger, you're, you're focusing on education, especially people in Africa. We focus on getting to go to school, understand, get, a, get, a, get, a, get into a profession, get a job, and so on. But as you 
as a believer, as you're in the Word, the Holy Spirit will prompt certain things in your heart. And for me, I think maybe I'm more like you, uh, where I've found that I have a gifting in the teaching area and in the coaching, and that is what I've been doing. And I guess that's what attracts us also to Caris Battle College, which is where I am right now, uh, uh, finishing the third year. Um, Andrew is an amazing teacher, probably one of the best Bible teachers in the world at the moment. And, and you're attracted to the people that are connected to your gifting. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people that are attracted to the ministry have also got a teaching gifting within their hearts. Wow, that's really good. And, you know, speaking about Karis, Josh, mm -hmm. what led you to Andrew Womack? And I know you did the first two years in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, let, let's talk about that. Where did you first learn about Andrew and what drew you to Karis Bible College? I've been trying to figure that out. I think it was years ago, years back, he visited South Africa. There was a church in an area called Primrose. And Andrew spoke there, and I didn't really know him. But I remember buying a cassette. We still had cassettes in those days. <laughs> and it was on the, the true nature of God. And I listened to that, and I was amazed because, you know, in church, religion teaches you a different side of God, almost like this policeman waiting for you to make a mistake. And here was Andrew teaching on the true nature of God. And what happened is that my wife's younger brother, uh, my brother-in-law, borrowed those cassettes, and I didn't get them back for such a long time. He kept them for years, and I was saying, when is he going to return my cassettes so that I can finish this and really get into it? But then I, I think I started listening to you. The internet came in and YouTube and things like that and started listening to him. I think I, I read one or two books, uh, Spirit, Soul, and Body. And then in 2000 and 2015 was when he came to South Africa to Cape Town. Uh, so my wife and I flew down to Cape Town, attended the meeting, and they were going to open, uh, 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 there was this, the Caris Bible College was in Cape Town, and they promised to open one in Joba, but that didn't happen until five years later, until 2020. And that's when we enrolled, uh, the hybrid um, school opened, and we, we were the first group that enrolled for the first year. So we did our first year in Johannesburg and the second year. Josh, this is my question to you. Um, how important was going to first year for you knowing that you are in the Word of God and you are just immersing mm -hmm. yourself in the Word of God, how did that change your life and your marriage? Wow, all I can say is that Caris has been, has been just absolutely awesome. I mean, it was a great decision, a, an awesome decision to, to go to Caris. Andrew's revelation about grace and faith and more than that, the thing that really, really got us was the love of God, getting a revelation of the love of God. I'll, I'll never forget that. I mean, be, having been a Christian for years, even in, in leadership in, 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 in certain churches, and to, to know about the love of God, to even preach or teach about God's love from the aspect of doing things because you love God. And so we're busy with church or busy with doing things to show how much you love God. I love God because I read my Bible. I love God because I pray. I love God because I attend this or do that or do that. But then through Caris and through Andrew's teachings and all the other good instructors, understanding about that God loves me unconditionally. And that revelation came, I'll never forget this, in the third module through Carrie and Mike Pickett's teaching on the love of God, <laughs> the life foundations. And our lives changed. My, my, my wife and I, uh, 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 Adokas, 
our lives totally changed. And this was when the lockdowns came in. You remember in 2020 because of the corona, COVID and so on. And we started having, we couldn't go out. We couldn't go to any other place. So we started having fellowship at home, just the four of us, my wife and I and our two sons. And it was just, we were just sharing what we were learning because the, the, the courses were online. And we shared that in our fellowship at home with our sons. And the change in us, this is a testimony for me. Our sons saw the change in us because of what we were learning through this Bible college. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there because they saw the change that is in you. And how did that affect them? And did that affect them enough that they came to the realization of the love of God as well? Yes, they, they had already given their lives to, uh, to, to Christ. I mean, we were going to church every Sunday and so on. But that prompted them, without us saying, go to Caris as well. My first son went through Caris, did his first year. Second son has also done Caris and is now going on to his second year in Johannesburg as well. Wow, that's good. That's a testimony right there. Mm. And I know, Josh, a n number of people that I've spoken to, mm. and they'll sit there and ask this question. Well, if you're going to go to Bible college, because we were living in Tulsa. We were living in Tulsa, and that is where Rama Bible College is. Mm. And, um, you know, someone asked, well, why don't you just go here to Rama?" And, Josh, I'll, the answer to that question is this. Um, Karis is the only Bible college where the only text is the Bible. And a lot of people, <laughs> I find this fascinating, but there are a lot of Bible colleges, and they don't even talk about the Bible. You know, <laughs> their texts are anything but the Bible. And I just kind of find that different. But the Word of God, Josh, changes you. The verse I'm thinking about, Josh, I'm not sure exactly the address in the Bible, but it talks about we shall be changed from glory mm -hmm. to glory. Mm -hmm. And I know, Josh, when God looks at us, he looks at us as a finished product. Mm -hmm. And yet, Josh, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. We haven't arrived. I know what Paul says in his letter, I believe it's in 1 Timothy. It says, I have finished my course. I have run my race. I want to finish that way. I know you want to finish that way. Mm -hmm. But Josh, what are your thoughts on that as you're moving through this process? Wow, that's, that's what we're getting from all the amazing instructors at Caris. Um, that teaching on spirit, Andrew's book on spirit, soul, and body. We know that in our spirit, we're exactly like Christ. Made in his image. But the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, 2, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in verse 2. Our soul still needs to be renewed. Our mind still needs to be renewed. And this is going to be a lifelong process. It's something that we're working on all the time. Becoming more and more like Christ. So in the spirit, I am exactly like him. But in my soul, I'm being changed day by day to become more like him. Well, Josh, what I've realized since I first came to Karis last January, so it's been almost a year, 15 months since we've been here. Mm. But Josh, for the first time, I'm realizing as I see people, I'm beginning to see people as I believe Jesus would see people. And, and, and I'm learning to have compassion on people. I mean, I, Josh, when I look at people, I, I look, first of all, in their eyes. 
And I really think you can see the soul of an individual through their eyes. And you can see if they have light mm -hmm. in their eyes or if they don't have light. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have Jesus, usually people's eyes are dark. And I know that sounds kind of simplistic, but to me it's very real. And you can tell right off the bat if people are having peace in their life or if they don't. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? The, the, the spirit, soul, and body are connected. So your body is going to reflect what you're thinking on the inside. So you're right. As you're looking through the eyes, you're looking, it's a reflection of what somebody's thinking. And what they're thinking has been what they're receiving, either words that have been spoken or things that have been done. And that's going to be reflected in your countenance. So the, it reveals what's on the inside. The face definitely reveals what's on the inside. But my approach then is that, what do I do? What would Jesus have done? Am I coming with compassion? Or am I coming with judgment? Uh, I, I used to be like that. And religion teaches you that. It's very, very judgmental. Things are either black or white. And instead of asking, why is this person like this? We're judging them for the way they behave. But we don't know what, what they, they've been through. I remember a story once of reading, uh, you know, Stephen R. Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he has a story in there that a father was the, with these children that were making so much noise in a, in a subway train. I don't know if you've heard that story. And somebody was criticizing this father and wondering, why can't you keep these children quiet? And eventually he did ask. And the man says, well, we're just coming from the hospital and their mother just died of cancer. Now, that paints a totally different picture about this situation. I could judge them by the outward appearance, but... Have I am, I, am I listening to the Holy Spirit to say, hey, like you said earlier on today as we were, we were driving, you were saying that, am I asking the Lord every day, guide me to somebody who I can share the gospel with? Who's, who, whose life can I make a difference to today? So if I come with that approach, then it's different. And, I, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. We, we, none of us are. We're growing and we're working at this. But it's a, it's a decision. It's, everything in life starts with a decision. I start from not saying, hey, look at how this person is behaving, but hey, whose life can I make a difference in today? Even though it's looking dark there, can I bring the light? Because I carry the light. As, as the Bible says, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Well, that's so good. I'm going to go to Proverbs 23, 7. Mm -hmm. And Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinks mm -hmm. in his heart, mm -hmm. so is he. Mm -hmm. Friends, we need to change what we think. We need to change what we have in our hearts mm -hmm. because I believe that once we develop the heart of the Father, mm -hmm. then our lives will start having a different course mm -hmm. to it. Josh, in second year, we have to go on a mission trip. That's part of the requirement of Karis, and I know you went mm -hmm. last year on your mission trip, mm -hmm. and if you would, share what you experienced last year on your mission trip and how that changed your life. You know, before we went on the mission trip, they told us that you think you're going out to minister to people, but what will happen, part of this mission trip is God will minister to you, and you end up being ministered to. So we were 12 of us we, um, from South Africa. We, my, our mission trip was to the DRC, DRC Congo. And uh, obviously there were different trips, I mean, to different countries and even within South Africa. But that's the trip that my wife and I believe God wanted us to go on. And it was interesting. We had to fly all the way to East Africa, to Nairobi, and then catch a connecting flight and then come back down again <laughs> because there are no direct flights to Kinshasa, which is the capital there. But, you know, this is a country that is probably potentially one of the richest countries on the continent. Every mineral can be found there. 
the, 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 the land is so fertile. You have forests, you have rivers, you've got fish, you've got everything. Yet at the same time, people living in dire poverty. So it was my first time to go to Kinshasa, and uh, we went to different places, and we thank God for the ministry. You know, the orphanages, we're able to visit an orphanage. Uh, they speak French there because it's a former French colony, so there was a language barrier, but we had our, our, our leader there was, was, is, is from that country, was French-speaking. Uh, but just to see the devastation of the civil war and the wars, the things that have happened in that nation, it, it's just, you feel like when, Jer when Jesus was looking at Jerusalem and, and, and the compassion that he had, you look at what people are going through just on a daily basis to survive. And I think that's where many, many, many Americans don't maybe realize what life is like in, in, in Africa, that you, people complain over little things, about, but somebody's just hoping that there'll be water today or electricity today or... Uh, it was interesting to see in the marketplaces things being sold at somebody actually even taking perfume and selling per spray or toothpaste per squeeze because that's the level at which people are able to afford it. But what I like was the spirit of the people, people that just, despite what people are going through, they don't sit there and complain and wait for somebody to do something for them. People are going out there. The entrepreneurial spirit is born out of people, not because... They want to because they wanted to be an entrepreneur because you have to. There's no jobs and you've got to put food on the table. And it was and, and I always say to people, only the gospel can save change people's hearts. Nothing but the gospel. And that's why I love the fact that we're able to go and make a difference by sowing seeds of the word of God to show people how much God loves them. And through this Bible, this word of God, you can change your situation no matter where you are. We we did a lot of other things, you know, visited other churches and old age home and so on. But I just love the impact that it had on me and the rest of the team, brought us together, we bonded together, and I'm sure you're about to do your mission trip to Alaska, and I'm sure you have, you, you'll come up with a testimony when you come back from what, 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 you know, from that experience. Well, you know, and you're talking, and you made reference to the shortest verse in the Bible, mm -hmm. is Jesus wept. And when he's sitting and looking at the city of Jerusalem, and his time is almost over. He knows that he's going to be called mm -hmm. to die for all of us listening to this podcast today. It says Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. He understood the fallen state of Jerusalem and how his beloved people, the people that God chose, simply had turned their back on God. And it just, it just was unbelievable to him, and he just couldn't stand that. But Josh, we are called to go into all the world and mm. preach the gospel. Mm. How seriously do you take that? You're in third year now. You've learned a lot, mm. but you're, you're coming to a close in third year. Mm. What have what you have learned in third year, how are gonna, you going to use that to go and preach the word and the good news to the people of Africa? Okay, when you say Jesus went into all the world, traditionally we've always thought, okay, let's go into every country, let's go to Africa, let's go to India and, and preach the gospel of salvation. And one of the things that has really come out for me, which uh, is, is emphasized here, is also not just the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom. And that's why you find that in third year there's seven tracts. And you find, uh, you know, I, I'm in business school myself. 
My wife is in global training, but there's also film and production. There's also the media, there's worship, there's the school of government and so on. Which means that word that Jesus used of going to the world wasn't just the physical world, but into every area of influence, into every sphere of influence. Mine, in this case, happens to be the business field, okay? Uh, my wife and I have run our business now for over 17 years, our engineering consulting business. And one of the reasons I came to the business school was to see how to expand that and do things God's way. Because in the world you can do it their way, but there is a way that God wants things to be done. And even though he said, go into the world and preach the gospel, it wasn't just the gospel of salvation. There was also the gospel of the kingdom. And that's a whole new subject on itself that would take a while for us to talk about, Bill. I see it as having influence in my sphere that he has given me which in this case happens to be the business arena, or some people would call it the business mountain. And that's where I see myself reaching out to people that I interact with on a daily basis. Um, I happen to have been in the construction industry for a long time. That's my field. Paul talked about, I follow my field. I don't go into somebody, I don't encroach into somebody else's field. Here you are doing your podcast. This is what you've been called to do. Each of the people listening now, they've got a race to run. They've got a track to run to. And that's what I love about the third year here, that it, it shows you, uh, Andrew has a book called Find, Follow, and Fulfill God's Will. And so by the time we're in third year, we're knowing what to fulfill, which area has God called you into. And so that's how I see myself fulfilling what you, that mandate that came from Jesus Christ. This is the field that I've been called to. How I'll do it, obviously, is the strategy that God gives me. Uh, around the business arena will be different from somebody else's arena, but that's where I see myself influencing others. Not, not only just the non-believers, but also believers, specifically for me in this particular case around leadership, to understand why you are where you are. Why are you in that position, um, whether it's in that company or in that organization? Um, for many believers, we, we, we tend to succeed and prosper, and then we think it's only about me. I, I, I get the big car, I get the house in the suburb, and, I, and it's still, I can still give, you know, acknowledge that God did this for me. But why are we really there? Like God told us in, uh, is it Esther chapter 4, verse 14? Who knows that, uh, um, Mordecai, who knows that you're in the kingdom for such a time as this? And I believe that's what I'm, uh, because he's spoken that to me, I would like to speak that to others, share what he has spoken to me to others, to understand that you're there for a reason, and that's for the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of salvation. Well, that's good, and I'm, I'm going to go to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, mm. because, you know, Paul makes it very clear. He says he's called some to be apostles, mm. some to be evangelists, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, mm. and some to be teachers. Mm. And, friend, you know, Josh, you brought up a good point. Not all of us have been called, like I've said, I've been called to be a teacher. I am in that five-fold ministry. But basically, Josh, what the Bible tells us that we are all able ministers. So even if you're not called to one of those five stations, we're still called to the world. And you brought that beautifully out in your presentation. You happen to be in the field of business, but God can use you in that area. Mm. And friends listening, God has a call for you in your life, and you may not be, you know, you may be in construction, like you said, you may be in this, you may be in this, but God can use you wherever it is that you are, and that's what we're supposed to do. In other words, if you're in the field of construction, do that in a godly way. In other words, 
do things the right way. Josh, that's how we're to be used. Do it the right way. And you brought this up earlier. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus, when he went and he spoke to farmers, he spoke in the language that farmers could understand. When he spoke to people in construction, that's what he did. So anyway, wherever you're at, God can use you where you are. Josh, we're coming to an end here. What I'd like for you to do is just share. I like call this open mic. I'm going to give the mic to you. Speak for two or three minutes for those of people listening today that might not know Jesus. Josh, tell people how God has changed your life and try to speak to the people out there that don't know God. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something now, to do things the right way. What do you mean by the right way? We can't know the right way. I'm amazed in America, a lot of people talk about my truth and my truth and my way. There is only one way. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Those that are listening that don't yet know God, everybody's seeking. Everybody, somebody said God has put a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. And as you're seeking now, you're wondering, which is the right way? Everybody says it's this way. You go this place, these people say, no, it's this way. You go over here, they say, no, it's this way. You read this book, they say, it's this way. I'm here to say that for me, the Bible has changed my life. The Word of God has changed my life. Jesus Christ has changed my life. And He Himself says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. John 3.16, you quoted it earlier, says, For God so loved the world. He's a God of love. He so loved the world. And when you love somebody, what do you do? You give them your best. You buy your wife an expensive gift. Why? Because you love them. He so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. To know him, the whole root of this relationship is based on love. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about, I'm going to punish you if you do this. And if you don't, this, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's all based on love. So anybody who's listening now who is searching and wondering, what is life all about? Life seems to be so empty. Things are getting higher and higher. Food prices are going up. People are wondering how they're going to make ends meet. There is a way. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You cannot get to this place of knowing God and knowing the Father except through Him. So He's standing there with open arms saying, come. He's already opened the way. You referenced it earlier. The gift is already there. And all He's asking people to do is open it up. And you do that by saying, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And then from there, how do I live my life? How do I know what the right way is? I find his word. This Bible is actually his love letter to us. It's his instruction manual to us. And as we read it, it shows us what is the right way. Because otherwise we fall for the opinions of men. Even our own opinions. But our own opinions don't matter. His word is the most important word. Jesus said in John, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The life that we're looking for, the life in our health, the life in our finances, the life in our marriage, the life in our business, the life in our studies, it can only prosper through this Word of God. Jesus also said that the Word is a seed. 
you plant it as a seed. It doesn't mean your life will change overnight. Just like for me, I prayed, I received Christ into my life, but nothing changed. I didn't feel hot, I didn't feel cold. But on the inside, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. I was a new creation on the inside. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, like babies crave spiritual milk, we need to grow just as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. So step number one, come find the way to the Father through Jesus Christ. Once you come, you begin to grow. You crave like spiritual milk. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That word is in the Bible. As you feed on that, like milk, you begin to grow spiritually. Like you referenced earlier, you begin to change. You renew your mind. Your opinions change. The way you do things change. And then you begin to see the effects of that. It prospers and you prosper in other areas of your life. Now, for those who have come in, I like John 14, 6. And I always remember what um, uh, Isaac Okoa, the regional director for uh, Andrew Womack Ministries in Africa, says. He says, there's some that are on the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Many have come in and they're in the way. Yes, you're going to go to heaven, but it doesn't stop there. You need to grow and follow Christ and become a disciple. Come into a knowledge of the truth by renewing our minds through the word. And it is only the truth that will set us free. It is not going to church. It is not how long you pray. It is getting a revelation of the truth of this word that sets us free. Once we're set free, we then move on to experiencing the life the manifestation of the things that are promised in this word, because many people are not experiencing it. Perhaps because they're only in the way. Perhaps they only came in as a, a fire insurance to avoid going to hell. Yes, in the, I'm in the way. Yes, I'm a believer, but not living the life, not demonstrating the, the life that Jesus himself lived as an example for us. We need to move on to the truth and then from there experience the life. So it's a, it's a sequential process. That's why Jesus used parables. He talked about the seed, first the blade, right? Then the ear, then the full ear of corn. That's exactly how the Christian life is. It's a process and a progress, and we're growing from glory to glory to glory. We never really arrive, but the first step is to come to the Father through Jesus Christ. Well, Josh, you know, that could preach. Sounds like you've done this before. Anyway, my last favor to you is to go ahead and give that invitation today for anyone that does not know Jesus. If you would, usher them into the kingdom. So you've probably been listening to this and you're wondering what to do next. Basically what I just said now, just like you, my friend came to me at home. It wasn't in a big crusade. It wasn't, I wasn't sitting in a church. It was just there at home. And he said, it's not... It's not something that you have to do or something that you have to perform. All you have to do is, you can pray this after me and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I've been trying things my own way. I've tried this and the other. And if you're in Africa, maybe you've even gone to witch doctors. You've gone to the gurus in India and it hasn't brought an answer. And Jesus just says, ask him to come in. So just ask him to come into your life. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. From this day on, I choose to live for you. I surrender my own will, my own ways, my own thoughts, 
my own plans to you. And I ask you to lead me, guide me. I choose to be your follower today and to live according to the word of God, which is in the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Josh, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on, and you've brought great wisdom. You've been a blessing to me. I know you've been a blessing. Friends, if anyone repeated that prayer that Josh just invited you to accept, I ask that you reach out to me on my Facebook page, Bill Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, and if you have any specific questions about anything you heard on today's podcast, reach out to me on Messenger. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.